started what I'm calling Kitten Watch because there's a neighbor of mine. <laughs> I'm calling it Kitten Watch because I'm watching kittens. Uh, like probably like six houses down. Uh, one of their cats or two. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So there's this neighbor. They have a bunch of cats all the time in their, in their yard. Like the cats are indoor, outdoor, but like hang out in the yard uh, all the mm-hmm. time. And either one or two of them had a litter of kittens like shortly after the other. So there's like eight week old kittens and like three week old kittens. Just how many kittens are we talking, Alexis? Okay. Give me rough numbers. The rough number, I'm going to say, I think there are three or four of the older ones and maybe only two of the younger ones. But it's hard to say because they're, you know, they're, they're hard to, Track. And they're not related. They're just, I don't know. Like that's I can't because I know that cats can have kittens. Pretty no, that it has to be two different cats though. But cats can. I'm, I'm about to give some misinformation. Can't cats get pregnant twice at the same? Be pregnant with two. I like they get I, knocked up once and they can get knocked up again. It's possible. Are pregnant? Yeah, I think I. I feel like I. I have heard a thing of that, but but maybe it's quite rare. Yeah, and they just have so many cats that I know, like, it's, like, cat mating season, like, right now. So it would also make sense that, like, two cats just could be the same dad. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, Yeah, sure. (laughs) You know. But they're so cute. And it's, like, the highlight of my day because I get to walk the dogs and go see if the kittens are out. Uh, And I don't think... The, I noticed them because the very first time I saw them, one had walked up to the fence and it was just like right there, tiny little meows. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And and Crumb was like, what is that? What is that? And like, you know, he does a very sweet like cry because he knows not to bark oh. or anything, but he's so excited. And then we had to pull Cricket away because he was losing his mind. But <laughs> and, and then the whole time we're like, oh, no, does Crumb need a kitten? So, not of right course, now, but... and of course, like that's what you. Of course, you were like, maybe the answer here is that we need another one. Maybe like, we need course. another kitten. Uh, it's just so they're so cute. They it haven't been you. out the past it's two Crumb days, and Crumb needs a kitten. And do they belong to anybody? You don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely that neighbor's okay. cats. Like they, they, they stay like they're in the garage, just like in and out of it, basically. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I never, I don't know. They're just out there and it's so cute. And I want to. Oh, can you describe what they look like? Okay, so let me, okay. There's the first one I ever saw was like a classic tabby gray and white. Okay, there's a black and white one, kind of like a modern Millie type, adorable. Cute, amazing. There is a. A tuxedo, so cute. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's an all black one, classic Mm -hmm. witch cat. Uh, stripey one and then the littler ones I've seen a stripey one and uh, there's a, uh, a an orange one like a little orange tabby okay we're gonna post pictures yeah they're not we'll good pictures, pictures but they're in there and because uh, it's so at a distance and you're like you gotta spot the different kittens in there oh. so that's, that's what I've been doing just that's so going to visit cute. these kittens What's been going on with us? I'm trying to think of any other, like, Percy's fine. She's just warm. Like, that is the news, and that is going to be the news for the next couple of months. It's really hot in England. Yeah. England is not a country that's adapted to be hot. I can cope. Like, I I always prefer being hot, like, than cold. Mm -hmm. I would always rather be hot and just have to strip off than be cold and have to wear, like, a million layers and turn the heat on and 
Yeah. I don't like the cold, so I never really complain too much. I feel bad for P because she can't take her coat off. So she just kind of like lies there looking at me, asking me to fix it, and I can't fix it. We're <laughs> yeah. going to have to actually, you reminded me earlier, you mentioned you got a cooling mat. I do think we have one somewhere. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get it out for P. Um, at the moment, it's a fan and ice cubes, which seems to be doing the <laughs> trick. She's still very unimpressed. Um, is there any other other pet news in my life? Um, Simba is fine. He's he's just doing his thing. He like he obviously he barks when the, the doorbell goes, as yeah. you would expect. What's always really funny though is Simba has a bark that doesn't match his personality or size. Yeah, like he sounds kind of like a big. A big yeah. old dog, and then the and then you open the door and the postman starts laughing because like this happened a couple of times where like the postman will hear this this big old bark and be yeah. like oh gosh beware beware of dog oh yeah and then my mum will open the door and see this like ridiculous little poodly thing and be like is, is that the dog <laughs> That's what that was, was barking just barking at me, at me? <laughs> <laughs> mum's like yeah oh man but, you know as we say Simba by name Simba by nature like he absolutely. just absolutely <laughs> he he really is living up to that. Uh, aspect of his personality. So cute. Um, I don't think there's any other. I feel like I've had like pet stuff happen recently. What's been going on? I mean, no, I think that's it. I think yeah. Everyone, all, every, all I'm hearing at the moment from friends and pets, pets of friends, is that they're all just worn. Yeah, none of them are used to it. None of them are adapted to it. They're all hot and overheating and, and, <laughs> and generally just furious about this. Oh, fun news mm. or like really nice news. A while ago, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but Courtney, my friend who was on, oh, yeah. her cat Bailey was very ill and we thought we were going to have to say goodbye to Bailey. Bailey has made a miraculous <gasps> recovery. No way. Like, a miraculous recovery. Wow. This cat is just like, yeah, I don't know what that was about. Sorry, guys. False alarm. I'm, I'm here for a I'm long fine. time. Like, yeah. Literally fine. They're monitoring wow. him, you know, at the vets. But the vets oh. are like, yeah, we've, he's fine. Like, he's oh, good, not, Bailey. not sure how that happened, but he's all good. Yeah. So, one, like, the best news that, you know, we could have hoped for. Um, we, we love to see a, yeah, a cat coming, like, incredible. rising from the ashes yeah. like a phoenix. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I feel like it's just, it doesn't happen enough. So often it's no. like bad news and it's, you know, here's how long. Right. But yeah. I love when it's like, no, no I'm Bailey's... fine. I'm so sorry. Did I scare you? Fine. Yeah, totally. Courtney's convinced it's because she, you know, she named him after Miranda Bailey from Grey's Anatomy, who is like a badass <gasps> and the ultimate survivor. And she's like, yeah, that's why I named you Bailey. This is <laughs> all of this, all of this pet nominative determinism coming in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, Speaking of great. Will you great? Will you <laughs> will you tell our listeners about our guest? Yeah. So we today we had a uh, UK celebrity vet, Doctor Bolu, Doctor B. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so great, <laughs> and like I'm a bit of a fan girl, and I tried really hard not to fan girl and to like ask intelligent you questions. But it's hard because he's incredibly charming, yeah, um, and like very accomplished, and like. He's a vet who loves animals, who's also like gone to Everest and treated jaguars in the Amazon. Yeah. Um, but also just like, you know, loves the Bichon Frise. So um, <laughs> yeah. 
really just one of like, one of us. Yeah, you know? really, really one of us. We're gonna have to get him back, I think, for sure, because I was just we were just saying we just love a vet on here because we can just ask them about all the animals ever. Yeah. And there's always a cool, interesting story or piece of information. Um so I think everyone is gonna really love this. Yeah. This one. Uh he is truly a delight. And if afterwards you think, God, where can I get more of this wonderful guy? Um, he's featured on quite a lot of BBC TV shows. Um, if you are also a musical theatre fan, he's on Pooch Perfect with Sheridan Smith, the actress, which is a grooming. It's like British Bake Off, but for, for dog groomers. Yeah. So it's just like so wholesome and wonderful. Um hosted by Sheridan Smith and then featuring Dr. B. So uh, I would just like really recommend. What a perfect show. Um, how do you guys access B- the BBC? Because I know you can watch BBC stuff. In the- is, that just, is it just BBC America? Do you just get it online? Is that how it works? Yeah, a lot of it is syndicated onto other networks. Cool. Well, Google Pooch Perfect so, and figure out where it. you can watch it. You know what? It's so great. Pirated. I don't care. Yeah, we, yeah it's <laughs> honestly fine. Just just go for it. Um, but yeah, he's he's truly excellent. And... Uh, yeah, we hope you enjoy. Yeah. Do you prefer Dr. B or Bolu or Dr. B? Like, what do you prefer? It's weird to think that when, when people actually say Dr. B to me, it's weird because it's what my mum calls me. Oh, is it? So I don't like. It's almost like, oh. <laughs> like, so it gives me like a little, like, it's like when somebody says it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, Bolu, B. Doctor B, whatever you Doc- like. Okay, cool. We'll we'll do some some variation of all of them. I'm I'm sure throughout. Whatever rolls off the tongue easiest. Um, Bolu, Doctor B, Doctor Bolo, Bolu, welcome to Comfort Creatures. Yeah. such a thrill to have you here. Uh, I have so many questions for you because I'm a really big fan. Um, <laughs> so you're a vet. Indeed, that is the I that am. is the first thing that our <laughs> listeners should know is that you are a vet. <laughs> Um, yeah. You're kind of a you're kind of a celebrity vet here in the UK now. I would say, Weird. yeah, you are. You, you are. Like one. you're on the TV. You're on like day like on like the morning shows talking about animals. Like you do like Spring Watch and stuff like that. Like you're you're a real celebrity vet. Real Z list. Like not if you're an, not if you're an animal lover. That's like <laughs> to me like <laughs> like morning show vet stuff. Spring watch that comes just under like Attenborough territory for me. Like, oh that's mate, the, if I can get to Attenborough territory, stuff I live with. <laughs> good clear. I feel like yeah. I'm like still bottom of the barrel in the animal world. I'm like, they're no. like, oh, yeah, he could do it. He's right. But also, like, as a black British animal lover, you're like now the goat talking. for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. There are so few of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's my niche. Now yeah. we're talking. But it's a big deal because for so long there was like nobody at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there've been like a couple of like animal park presenters, mm-hmm. and then and then you came, and I was like, oh my god, uh, <laughs> this is so exciting. Um, I no longer feel like uh, a, a minority in this. I mean, I am still a huge minority in this world. But one, more person, <laughs> one more person, it's very exciting. Um, but so, I can't lie, that is that's a big that's a big thing for me. Well, I guess we'll get back on the it, but yeah. Well, oh, well we can know we can start with that because that's a big thing for me as well, and it's growing up being like an animal kid and then being kind of made to feel like you're a weirdo for being an animal kid and black and being told that like black people black people don't like animals is a thing i grew up hearing um for a wide variety of reasons i'm sure but like please talk about your experience with that because 
And you know it's what's so, so funny as well is that this is the kind of conversations that we only have in the UK or Tea, maybe America yeah. as well. Because uh, it's funny because I talk I talk because I talk about uh, representation a lot in um, like just diversity and inclusion in the vet profession, uh, diversity and inclusion across the board, uh, representation and what it means to like just have role models or real models like you know yeah like visual people visual and actually yeah. doing stuff right. But then like I was talking to one of my friends, she's from Jamaica, and she's like, we don't have a problem about having black vets, and I was like, oh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't, you wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, and like the same as like in Nigeria, you know, there's not a problem with black vets or like other countries. And you're like, oh, well, what, like, what is, where's the, because, you know, we get these small little stereotypes that we grow up with sometimes where it's like, oh, a lot of black people might not like dogs or a lot of black people yeah. might be scared of animals and stuff like that. But then you get so many black people that naturally they're living alongside these animals or they go about their life. Yeah. So it's almost such a weird, uh, I don't know, like paradigm here in the UK. It, it really is. And like, when I think about like my grandparents, they grew up on like kind of small holdings in Jamaica. So they lived mm. alongside animals their whole childhoods. And then there was something coming about, about coming to the UK that were like, no, no. Even yeah. though they ended up getting loads of cats in the end, there was a real resistance to pet ownership and, and also like having animals in the house. That wasn't really a thing for them. And I'm, I'm mm. sure it's partly because like in Jamaica, you know, they had land. So having a dog that was outside and it was always hot probably wasn't mm. as big of a deal as it would be like here but um it's just interesting because they didn't they grew up around animals in jamaica and then came to england and had a real re really rejected that and i just wonder what if you have any thoughts on maybe what like why, where this comes from this idea that black people don't like animals and you know what it's it's like we tap into i tap into it so much especially when we talk about diversity inclusion because it's like why don't we have black vets in the uk like what is the what's the what's the why why don't we have it or yeah. why are we not seeing more black people or maybe Muslims or Indians or Asians or yeah. you know why are we not seeing so many of these different uh, minor minority groups or different groups why are we not seeing them applying to the veterinary medicine or why is it that if I say vet to you or why is it that it's a comment that sometimes triggers me but I learned to not let it trigger me but it's that people say you don't look like a vet and I'm like well what does yeah. a vet look like yeah but why is exactly. it that we have this almost like I don't know. It's like if I say psychologist to you, the first thing that comes to your head is probably like somebody that looks a bit like Sigmund Freud, grey hair, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, old man with glasses or whatever. But then I guess different people have different ideas of psychologists. But you got know what I mean? That there's this bubble. Uh, and then so when we talk about it from a minority standpoint, there's this bubble of where whether vets are seen as respectable, as a respectable profession or people's mm. relationships with animals. And that's what I was going to dive into what you're talking about in Jamaica. Like how your grandparents would have been living alongside the land, living alongside animals casually like coming into contact with so many animals that we don't even come into contact with here in the UK just yeah on a for sure my basis. grandma had like pet goats and chickens you know what I mean you know and just casually up. just like everybody's yeah. got some sort of access to animals and stuff like that so the fear isn't there and we understand mm. them from thing but then I think that's where this can become like a 50 mark question an essay question on like you mm. know because different societies have different roles for animals for and sure. almost in like a more, more modern, like the more modernized we have a society, so like a modernized society, like in the UK, for instance, we are at the stage of, like in the UK, we get capitalism up to a point of boredom, and then we get to this point of where we look for more things to do, right? Mm -hmm. And we've we've now come past the point of fight or flight. So there's no longer a fight or flight because especially if you're in a third world country, there's a lot more fight or flight, fighting mm -hmm. to survive. You need to live off the land sort of thing. So you've got uh, animals that you're using for protection, animals that you're using for rearing your crops, animals that mm. you're using for to make a living off of. Mm. And that's it, point blank period. There's no how that you're seeing an animal as your best friend. So you've got the mm. third world mindset of that. And then you've got this kind of capitalist view of how we've come so accustomed with our, our pets or and being around animals. 
and we've we've got all our basics. We've got all the bare necessities. We all know how to find livings. We all know how to do things. So now we look for a best friend, a brother, mm. a sister, a, a, a daughter, a kid, like kids for some people. And so our animals become our fur babies. And then mm-hmm. we have this other thing to kind of entertain us with. Um, and then, I mean, some people, some people have like an ownership pet kind of view and some people have like it's a mutual relationship mm-hmm. bond that we're both looking after and it's so interesting how we kind of you can dive into it in all different facets and so mm-hmm. just like yeah I've it, kind of lost my train of thought no, but yeah. no it's, it's, it's <laughs> you're so right it is it's so interesting I wonder as well like with the you with the UK and just in general like with the cost of living going up and stuff pets pets more and more feeling kind of like a luxury even though for those of us that have them we know that they're like an in, intrinsic part of our lives and our happiness they do feel like a luxury because they're expensive to have and so like Mm. I do I think there's probably something to be said for like when you come from some kind of ethnic minority and you're predisposed to coming to to being in a lower income household for a wide variety of like socioeconomic factors most of which are rooted in discrimination um you probably didn't have pets like growing up or you're less likely to have had pets growing up because perhaps you had a lower income growing up. And, and so then, and then, so then it's like, well, if your mum wants you to do a STEM subject, she's not thinking vet, she's thinking vet. GP. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? She's exactly. thinking pharmacist. So exactly. I, it's, you're right. There are so many factors and they all kind of feed each other. So mm. in, as, a, as, a, as a black man vet, what has your experience mm. been of like dealing with your clients? Do you, do you, have you faced like discrimination like have you because even stuff like talking to people like family and stuff but the fact that like my cat sleeps in my bed people will be like that's a really white that's thing. crazy yeah well yeah no, like, you let go no it's not it's not a yeah. white thing i want to cuddle her so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah what's your experience like what is that like for you so yeah it it, it goes deep because again that's the thing as well so this is this is part of why I'm even here, like in the first place as well. Like this visualization is being present. Like hundred percent. I love animals, like with all my heart. Like, like I say, all my heart. I mean, I can be bad. I'm a reducitarian, so that's I think that's the place I'm slacking the most. So I'm trying my hardest to cut down all that side, and that's getting there. But like, I really do love animals so much, and that's why I've dedicated my whole life to helping them and and being a vet and all this sort of stuff and being present and just trying to show people that you know. As a black person, you can love animals. You can do these things, yeah, and get rid of all these stigmas of like how you're saying, like you know, like some people are like, oh, why do you have a dog, and why does it sleep outside, or yeah, why does yeah, it come yeah. to you, or why would you ever buy your dog a jumper? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like it's demonstrating the love of it, and I think there's sure. some barriers. So in the ethnic minority community, especially in the black community, I think we've got a lot of barriers. Uh, whereas my upbringing in England has allowed me to not even have any of those barriers on because, you know, I've always surrounded and seen animals as not necessarily a commodity or something to live yeah. with, or, but like as like a part of a the mem- family. member of the family, yeah. Exactly, a part of, literally as a part of family. Uh, and so, yeah, it's that's part of why I'm here, is just kind of showing that joy. And I think in the vet profession, since I've become a black vet, especially, I think the TV stuff also happened naturally just because I just kept wanting to just share my passion. And that's how I share it, like on Instagram and, and TikTok and stuff like that. And that's where TV stuff comes up. But like, it's just sharing the love for it. So when I, mm. as, a, as a black vet coming into the profession, a lot of the times people just, I've always been a thing of, as long as I know what I'm talking about, then we're okay. And most people yeah. are, are super happy with me because I could help remedy situations, but I'm also quite friendly. Some vets aren't, aren't friendly. Some vets mm. are a little bit standoffish or a little mm. bit aloof sometimes. Um, so majority of the time, like I'd say 98% of the time, I have really, really great encounters. Good. The 2% is like, 
off comments here and there. I've had sure. off comments here and there. Like, sure. you know, I had one woman who, uh, and it's like, it's so, it's stuff that it's like, you know how we were all talking about microaggressions before? Yeah. Like, you know, when BLM came up and microaggressions became a big buzzword. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's kind of like the microaggressions in the workplace. And I've done a lot of, we've done a lot of workshops. There's a lot of um, organizations that I work with that we talk about like racism and, and things like that in the workplace that you don't even realize because there's no mm. such thing as casual racism, is there really? It's just, it's just, it's just, <laughs> just, it's just racism. And, you know, I was in a predominantly, a predominantly white area, over 60s. It was quite rural. And that was where I, that was the first practice that I went to. And I had a woman once. I remember I came out to raise room, and I'm quite good with dogs. Like I pride myself on understanding cats really well. And yeah, my dog behavior, I really about understand that. dog behavior. <laughs> Those are two things that I pride myself in. And it's just not even like, like I genuinely like get them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so a woman had a Labrador. Labrador's a little bit fearful and all whatnot comes to the waiting room and I sit down and cuddle, cuddle the Labrador and the Labrador is like loving it and you know I ease out the tension and you know with it and then actually as as I'm doing that because I, I get on the floor I get on the floor and I'll sit on the floor and I'll stroke it and I, so I'm on the floor and she's standing above me and she's like oh that's weird she doesn't actually like black people and I was like what? I was like what? I was like, what? what do you mean? Oh my god. Like, there was dogs like, huh? don't know what race is well, no and there was an article about the i don't know if you saw it but where people being afraid of having a racist dog would cause their dog to be racist because they would be like they would walk by a black person and be like oh god i don't want them to be weird i don't want so then they like pull on the leash and get weird so then the dog oh has god. a weird like oh should i I should be something's happening right now and like accidentally cause this to happen in the dog and it was such a weird like no just be normal you weirdo like (laughs) literally this is and what you just said there it's another on the head of dog behavior 101 when people take their dogs to the vets and they come into the vet practice I always say let go of the lead yeah like don't worry like I I try my hardest to you can imagine I have so many consults in a day and you know a consult maybe last 10 minutes and I have 10 minutes to get a dog that's never seen me before to trust me so I can mm. stick a thermometer in his booty hole <laughs> uh, and, like, you know, probably poke it with a needle in the back and stuff. And, like, you know, if they don't trust you, and this happens with cats as well, if they don't trust you, you can't get anything done. Yeah. And so I have this small amount of time. And so for me, it's all about controlling the room, controlling your nerves, the dog's nerves. And so that's part of it is, like, I need you to relax. because the moment I, So I always target the owners first. And I'm like, I need you to relax because obviously you come up for a stressful problem or there's something wrong. I need you to relax first and then Fluffy's going to relax because if mm. you're holding the lead and gripping it super tight and have your have your fist clenched around the lead or pulling it tight or like constantly stroking Fluffy in like such a like aggressive pattern, <laughs> of course Fluffy's going to be like, what's going on? Yeah. And they're going to fight and fly. And it's the same thing what you're saying of like, you know, owners, if they don't want to race this stuff and they're like, oh, but you know, it's, uh, um, but they have this subtle feeling when they're walking past somebody of colour or whatever. Yeah. They're, the dogs are it's going to transform into dog because they're just a, they're, they're a cut black they're a, they're a blank slate that you just yeah. fill with mm-hmm. with positive reconditioning and you know positive conditioning sorry and like yeah. you know, reinforcing behavior yeah so, so yeah. i mean that kind of leads me on to my my next question which is so e. i have a cat that hates the vet like hates the vet as in and she's very smart she's a bengal so that's like mm-hmm. a lot of context but we'll be walking towards the vet She's in her mm. bag and she sees where we're going and she's growling already. Like we, we're not even at mm. the vet, we're outside on the street and she's growling because she knows where we're going. And mm-hmm. I just don't know, is there a way that you can 
teach your cat to be less stressed because it, it, it's got to the point now where like if i ever need to take her in for anything she kind of has to just be sedated yeah. and and that's stressful in itself and that's a whole procedure and there's risks attached to that as well so what, how old your bengal she's three Okay, so you've got two things against you. One is that she's three years old, and two that she's a Bengal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've already got two things against you. You're already like, you're already like, a, if it was like an uphill gradient, you're like on a steep Honestly. vertical right now. And the problem <laughs> as like, well is that like she never, she's like never ill. Uh, Touchwood. Yeah. So like the only times she's gone to the vet have been to be like spayed and like mm. things that are quite, See? probably quite traumatic. Quite traumatic, for her. exactly. Yeah. And so, so you answer your own question because yeah. I always tell people this time, and this is the thing about. Especially now, I think it's harder because vets everywhere are social and stuff. But there was a point, and especially during COVID, actually, yeah. in the practice that I used to be at, because I used to be sole charger at practice, I used to make it a thing to tell owners, just come in, just come in. Like, don't, I mean, the, the hierarchs used to hate me because I'm not pricing stuff up. But I'm like, just come in and sit down with me for 10 minutes with your dog or your cat, and we're not doing anything. We'll just have a chat, and your cat can walk yeah. around the contact room, and we'll just have a chat as if we're catching up like friends. You just talk to me, and then the cat can get used to the environment. The dog can get used to the environment. Yeah. Bring the dog in to weigh them. Let's play around. Let's let them out, meet other dogs, so that every time they come, it's not. It's just simple things that we don't think yeah. of. But in the in the time that we live in, nobody has time to ever really like. Oh, I'm just going to nip to the vet for ten minutes. <laughs> and leave. It's it's as you say. Like I totally would have done that, but we got her at the beginning of COVID, so the first like mm. two years of her life, it was. And also, so. that's probably even as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, God, of course she hates it because yeah. when we first got her, I couldn't even. I'd have to like meet the vet in the parking, in the car park, give the yep. vet the bag. She's looking at me like you're abandoning me. <laughs> and then the vet was just like, take her off. <laughs> and like, yeah. so and it's making sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's making sense. So, I mean, it is that one side. And also, I think the other side is that you, we don't ever really take into account like how dogs and cats, because you get it a lot of time, whether you get the nervous dogs or the scared cats or whatever it may be. And we don't take into account how much they can sense. Yeah. like we we read stuff and the context of what we do is that like we read stuff you know you you book the appointment you called up so you know you have your calendar to look at the cat's just living in an isolated world of well mum just came home put me in a carrier and now she's taking me away but for them when they're getting close to the practice it's the smells they're hearing stuff that you're not hearing they're hearing mm. the other dog screaming at the back because oh, it's just broken from an anesthetic or whatever or they're hearing another dog barking at another dog or they're hearing they're smelling the cat from here that you know and in a vet practice the amount of stuff we see in a day obviously it's an isolated incident for yourself when you come to visit the vet practice but like literally just before your consult i might have had somebody that i'd had to put to sleep a cat or a really diseased cat and i don't know if you've ever seen like i don't know if you have multiple pets or if you've ever seen multiple pets interact sometimes when one pet has a bit of a disease the other animals either, they can go two ways sometimes. They either become really nurturing to that other pet or they kind of shun them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And almost like outcast them. And imagine now that they're picking up on the fact there's a really diseased cat that's been here before. They can smell it all. And they're like, you know, it's kind of like, it's how we feel when we're going to hospitals. It's a very eerie, very scary. Yeah. But you don't really, you're yeah. like, oh, I know what's going on. And they have this yeah. heightened sense. And so that already becomes stressful. Yeah. So all the de-stress and stuff has to, we like, literally from a vet, I feel like as a consult, I'm starting to de-escalate. I have to de-escalate. Yeah. I have to let Fluffy out. I tell them to stop stroking the cat because everybody's always stroking the cat. And I, have, I think we have a touch limit with cats. Like, there's only so much you can do, especially <laughs> yeah. if I need to find out what's wrong. Because if I touch them three times or so, then they get pissed off and then they run away or whatever yeah, it might yeah, be. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, like it's just kind of de-escalating. I mean, what you can do if you're Bengal, I could advise like maybe putting a, um, a blanket over the carrier. Yeah. But a blanket over the carrier helps as well. Because, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes people don't realise how, how important the carrier is for them to feel comfortable in the carrier. Yeah, she loves um, her carrier. Like, she'll get in her carrier. Yeah, she loves it. Like she, she, I think she's just climbed into it now. Like, amazing. Like, she just gets in amazing. it to chill, which is which good. Is amazing. And getting yeah. her used to just taking her to different trips, like, you know, in the carrier, just so yeah. she doesn't always associate the car or moving up and down in the carrier with just the vet. Um, yeah. And then, again, coming to the vet when you don't need anything. And allowing, I mean, it might cost you something for the, I mean, because some vets aren't always that nice in terms of giving you time for free, uh, yeah. which... I get because it's a business standpoint and in your in your in your slot somebody else could have come and paid money but like if you yeah. can book a 10 minute consult or maybe just pay for that consult but just because you wanted your cat to just spend time in the vet practice without anything happening and you just talking I'm sure a vet would actually be pretty relieved that they have a little break in their day one yeah. <laughs> but, but also yeah. that we don't necessarily always have to sedate the cat so yeah, yeah. I yeah. we are going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with more from Dr B Oh my gosh, hi, it's me, Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture game show, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play a whole host of games, like one where I describe a show using a limerick and our guests have to figure out what it is. Let's do one right now. What show am I talking about? This podcast has game after game and brilliant guests who come play you. The host is named Dave. It could be your fave, so try it. Life won't be the same. Uh, a big business starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Close, but no. Oh, Is it Troubled Waters, the pop culture quiz show with all your favourite comedians? Yes! Troubled Waters is the answer. To this question and all of my life's problems. Now, legally, we actually can't guarantee that. But you can find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. J. Keith, do you know what I love more than the trivia, comedy, and celebrity guests on our podcast, Go Fact Yourself? No, what, Helen? Sharing all of those things with an actual audience. A live audience. Woohoo! Well, lucky for you listeners, Go Fact Yourself has brand new episodes featuring live audiences cheering on guests every month. And we still have all of our Zoom episodes with contestants and experts from around the world. We can truly have it all. Yay! You can hear it all twice a month, every month on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, no excuses. So if you're not listening, you can go fact yourself. And so, I mean, what is it? What's it like about what, what is being a vet like? Because I feel like every animal lover at some point is like, I'm going to be a vet. But then mm. you realize that you need to be like really good at science. You know what? I've, literally everybody I bump into that loved animals or anybody really that I told them that I'm a vet. They're like, I wanted to be a vet when I was younger. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Literally yeah. everybody yeah. tells me. Um, it is crazy i think it is one of the most fulfilling jobs but it's also very tough and it's very pressurized as well and it it uh it it, it, uh attracts a certain type of people Uh, and i think that's why a lot of us have the same issues because some of them are either raging perfectionists or they've got chips on their shoulder one of those people with a chip on their shoulder (laughs) you know or maybe they're just completely like like you know zoned in for animals like there's absolutely animal lovers like I had, a, I had a nurse once that used to tell me like I wish this cat was underneath my skin and I was like wow you need to relax <laughs> this is full on <laughs> she was like I love this cat so much I wish it was under my skin I was like 
I don't know what it is about cats as well, but people go really crazy about cats. Yeah. Um, but being a vet is like, it's amazing. I always describe it to vet students when I describe it. Being in vet school, super long, six years, lots of hard oh, work, yeah. lots of studying, lots of exams, and it's super tough. Uh, and then you go into the real vet world and it only gets tougher. It's like, oh my gosh, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, and I always describe it to vet students, it's like learning to drive your car uh, in like a in like a, a small little banger like a bang up car you learn to drive it and then all of a sudden somebody gives you a formula one car to drive when you start and it's like yeah. what why is the why is this car have buttons and <laughs> yeah. why is it not wheel like, and why is it going so fast where are the and brakes where's the brakes exactly <laughs> like why does it stop and literally it's it's like that because my first day I remember like operate and these are the things that you can't even consider because it's like operating and, and consulting and the multitasking you're doing and the pressure like you know, even if I simplify it, when I first started, just the idea that I'm a doctor now and I could tell people, like, you know, you need to brush Fluffy's teeth with a carrot twice a day. And because I'm a doctor, everybody could be like, yeah, this, this is the truth. And I was like, what if I lead people astray? Yeah, there's a lot of power. Like, what if I lead people astray with all this power that I have? Or like, you know, what about, and then also it's the things of what goes wrong and what happens when things go wrong. And then that kind of, uh, especially when you start, it's the anxiety of, like the knowing what could go wrong and that mm. you're fully responsible for it mm. um which is why i think you know certain types are, are do get attracted to it because it, you and it can go two ways you either learn how to deal with it uh, and get really confident in your stuff and, and executing things or it takes you down the opposite route and you know you can get really it can really confine you in a box and and do some real damage to your mental health yeah, i'm sure there's a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of burnout amongst. Oh yeah, you took a break. The... You took a bit of a break, didn't you? Yeah, I follow you on social media. So I know <laughs> um, and like, I just I thought that was so great that you did that because it, I mean, it looked I like you were living to. your best life. By the way, like you were traveling and eating and I'm having still, a good time. I'm still, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. <laughs> okay, you good. Know what it is? It's like so, so. This is part of what what it's like being a vet. Like so, for instance, I was if I give you like a a, a typical like kind of day to day is kind of like. I was sole charge at practice. That means I'm the only vet at a practice. And in this particular catchment area, my client, my client base was 3,500 clients. What so, do you mean you were the, so you were the only vet and then you had like nurses? Practice, and then, yeah, I had, well, actually at the time in the practice hours, because this is how short staff vet practice are. So we were a small clinic and I didn't have a, head, a constant head nurse. So usually you have head nurses in a practice and you have one head nurse and you have several uh, qualified nurses underneath that. But at the time, I was we were going through nurses, so like I had half a head nurse, I'd say, because sometimes I did have a head nurse, sometimes I didn't have a head nurse, oh um, because there weren't any. And then I had a student nurse uh, and a, a vet assistant, and those two were my rocks. We were like the three of us together. It was like we got through that period. It was like a year and a half that I was at this particular practice. That was the practice I left during the uh, after the burnout. Um, but yeah, I had three thousand five hundred clients, and it was just like you'd be booked eight weeks in advance. You'd have, you know, I'd have all these operations books. We had this like 150 uh, patient deep dental list of dentals that we had to get done. And I'm talking about urgent dentals where a cat's teeth are falling out or like all the teeth oh. are rotten. They're not really oh. eating well. Um, we had all these other routine ops. And then you have the normal consultation stack through the day. And then you also have the ones that people call up on the day like, my, my dog's just eating a, my dog's just eating a bone or and yeah, it's stuck yeah. or it's gagging or my cat has just jumped out a window or this cat's been hit by a car. Or da, 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 da. So all these things just being thrown at you left, right and center. And my hours were starting to get a bit crazy because I was, I normally go to gym before work, but like I'd be at work from about eight o'clock. And because I was so charged, I wouldn't leave till about 8.30. So 
some days even 10 30 so like it'd be like i would be there day. for like 14 15 hours and i wasn't oh, seeing my God. friends i wasn't seeing my family yeah. i love my mm-hmm. job like i really do love my job and that's why i was able to stay for so long but working monday tuesday having wednesday off then thursday friday occasionally i think it was like one in three saturdays and sundays and then coming back on the mondays and tuesday, and by myself and it was just like I was that like, so I love it, but I need to take a break. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. and I wasn't even getting paid for what I like the way I should have yeah. got. I was like, it's not like it's not worth losing myself over. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm not seeing my friends, I'm not seeing my family. I'm not able to take breaks when I want to. Really, what is the point? I need to find a way to find a better balance, and that was what led me to like, look, I need to take a breather. I need to take a step. And that was like, you know, yeah. when you're in it so deep and you can't see the the wood from the trees, and you're like. Mm-hmm. I need to take a step back and that was my decision where I was like you know what I'm taking a step back because the vet world is super pressurized and mm-hmm. you know it's it, it, it's one of those things of like if I'm doing six operations in the afternoon and something goes wrong on the fifth one I can't like if you brought your your cat or your dog to me and you're expecting the operation to go it's a routine operation but something goes wrong and it went wrong because I was tired yeah, or I was yeah. working, or working autopilot how do I sit there and look you in the face and say that something's gone wrong why because I was tired yeah yeah I can't and it's just like you just, the responsibility just like, of that like makes me feel so sick like if I have a tired day at work I just rewrite it the next day yeah. you know what I mean yeah. you don't get a redo when you're a vet like that is a lot yeah but this is it and this is it with medicine as well it's kind yeah. of just like it's a very unforgiving uh the, the professions are very unforgiving because everybody wants the perfect doctor right but we know that to be perfect at anything you have to kind of make mistakes yeah but in in the medical world your mistakes you just have to you have to pray that your mistakes aren't so costly because most Mm. things are reversible even death is reversible but sometimes it can be five minutes things like that sometimes death can be reversible you can have things that are on the the table and and come back but you don't want to have to go through that to think and you don't but that is wild to think about like all the jesus cats of the world where you're like (laughs) welcome back fluffy man yeah i wish it was i wish it was as epic as jesus because jesus like you know was in a tomb and yeah, came back yeah. like these Stone cats are like moves. it's crashing it's crashing it's <laughs> crashing and then everybody's like adrenaline and, and, and cpr we need to keep going like you know it's like but but yeah definitely there are there are some out there and things are reversible but it's just like you just want to hope that your mistakes aren't too grave and yeah your mistakes make a break you like i have some vet friends that will never do surgery again because you know one mistake mm crumbled them yeah mm. uh whereas i can still remember some i can still first remember my first seven like a uh, bitch base so that's the ovary hysterectomy where we take out the ovary then the uterus which is a it's a big surgery for a lot of vets um but it's a fairly routine one that we do daily but i still remember my first seven because there was always something different that I was like oh, i have to manage that i have to manage that i have to manage that like you know or yeah. there was something that well, i was sweating over and kind of panic um obviously now wow. it's a lot better because i've come out the other side of it yeah. and so i feel yeah. a lot more competent but every day like, i'm you think about it from a vet perspective. What's nice about human medicine is that almost you get handheld as you go through the human medicine profession. Whereas from a vet perspective, you just get dropped in it, which I say is a Formula One car, you get dropped in it. And then yeah. you're the ophthalmologist, you're the pediatric surgeon, you're the general surgeon, you're yeah. the radiologist, you're the cancer specialist, you're the histologist, you're looking at microscopes, you're, you know, and like in between consults, you're doing dermatology, you're doing, you know, you're doing all the different animals different ailments eyes ears nose teeth mouth whatever yeah, you're doing yeah. all of it and you're one up shot and everybody expects the answer to come straight from you yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and it's like whoa like you know it's like this massive like reverse you know like when the um 
uh, when an atomic bomb goes off and you see the mushroom, mushroom cloud and you see the shockwave come up, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. What it was. like, whoa, everybody wants everything from me. It's all that. But yeah, you take it in stride. <laughs> God. We're... Yeah, I, have, I have a newfound respect for my vet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, were you one of those kids that wanted to be a vet? Always. Like, yeah. Oh, mm. My mom said my first word was dog. No. Um, so, Did you have so pets was... growing up or no? Yeah, so... so well, my first one was dog. I didn't really have pets from a young age. It was like, but I knew I wanted to be a vet from like about, I think about six or seven. Wow. And at that same age, I'd looked at all the universities in the UK. So I at six or seven. Yeah, six or seven. Your family like, Nigerian. Was... <laughs> there you go. Speaks for itself. Mic drop. It speaks for itself. That's my, my dad's Nigerian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Overachievers and all the pressure. But that's the craziest thing, though, is that my parents are so like. They're super, like, super nice. They're, like, they're, yeah. they're the best. When next door. <laughs> they're, they're super, they're, like, they've been really, like, they support us for everything. And they that, that's why I was able to be a vet, because they were just, like, do what you want to do. Be, be happy, yeah. and, and money will come. But, yeah, so I searched everything I wanted to do. I looked at all the universities. Six or seven is wild. Six or seven, yeah. I looked at all the universities. <laughs> I was like, I know I want to do this. And I, I can tell you the reason why I know this is because, like, I looked. I remember I always wanted to go to University of Liverpool. Yeah, so because uh, the University of Liverpool had t- the most work experience required for a student. Yeah, and this is at seven years old, six, seven or so. That I'd, I'd looked at this, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go to University of Liverpool." And people were like, "You haven't even like started year two yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you, what are you talking about your university?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go to University of Liverpool. I'm going to find a way to go." And so I always looked throughout my like school career was looking how to do extracurricular stuff in order to build work experience tailored to the University of Liverpool because back then only seven universities did medicine in the UK Wow! so I was like I want to get into University of Liverpool because it has the hardest work experience I'm going to try and tailor my life towards that and so I was doing that you know I'd watch nature documentaries I'd go and uh, work in dog kennels I'd work I'd worked at farms rescue centers catteries uh, like done all these sort of stuff as I grew older it was more I started to have a love for science as well and medicine in general because it's really interesting really fascinating the more you go into it and I got through it uh I was like deputy head boy at my school I'd gone to Mount Everest I'd done all these like uh wow. extracurricular stuff where did well. you grow like, up are you from London southeast London yeah oh, whereabouts southeast, yeah. uh well I live well my, I used to live in Elton yeah Elton, yeah. Yeah, so well, I live in Peckham. Kind of, see, before then it was Kidbrook, and then it was Elton, then it <laughs> right. was then it was uh, Greenhive. So dark. Yeah, yeah, basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark okay. area. And I went to school in Bexley. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, cool. Yeah, I grew up in Forest um, Hill, so I know. Okay, fair, yeah, fair, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. southeast. <laughs> so, like, I'd had all these extra stuff that I did, like so much stuff, and they told me they were like, because I was obviously I knew I wanted to be a vet and super competitive. The university super competitive. So I'd like done his thing, Duke of Edinburgh Awards and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, and I had this glowing, like, almost CV, I guess, like when you yeah. apply for UCAS and stuff. And, you know, I had the admissions tutors tell me it's great. I had to send my stuff to, like, the uh, there's an admissions tutor at Imperial, which is a medical university. And she said, oh, it'd be fine. And the teachers at RVC, there were some teachers at the Royal Veterinary College in London. They said, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. My uh, supervisors at school were like, yeah, you have a glowing application, da, 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 you'll be okay. I applied and I got rejected from every single vet school. I didn't even get an interview. I got rejected from <gasps> no. all of them. Why? Everything. What? I still don't know to this day the real re- like I mean they asked I asked and stuff like that. And uh so one of them 
messaged me back. I still remember her name, and I'm not going to say it because it's really bad. But I still remember her name. It was the day that I met her in person. It's like it's like my list. I'm Arya Stark, and like yeah, I've got yeah, a list. Yeah, the list. Right. What did <laughs> yeah. she say? But she said that uh, insufficient work experience, and I was like, ah, oh, that crumbled me because that's a I lie. Still, <laughs> that's I a lie. Still, <laughs> they, 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 we all know why. Like I like. I could still remember, you, like, you know, going to do work in Bolu, animal shelter if, in the freezing if you think, cold. And if you think your food. name was John Johnson <laughs> on your UCAS, <laughs> do you think maybe they'd... That makes hey, me... I didn't say anything. <laughs> but, that, but... I'm happy to say something. <laughs> that makes me warm. Ella's going to write a letter today <laughs> to them. I am. I'm going to write I'm going to write to Liverpool now and be like, look. I mean, they're um, lost, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it was like, I got rejected from all of them, didn't get an interview. And that, like, that shook my whole world. Like, yeah. because it was just like, I remember because I was walking my dog outside. Uh, and I was like moping around. It was actually in this house, like at my parents' house at the moment. But um, I was walking my dog outside and I was like moping around. And I remember my mum saw me and she's like, pick your head up. Come on, pick your head up. It's not the end of the world. I got rejected from all the best schools that were a bit like, you know? And it was yeah. just like, what do I do? And I got a little bit demoralized for a period. Didn't perform as well as I wanted to in my exams. I went to go and I was going to take a gap year for the summer. So I went to India for about eight weeks to go and work as doing vet work out there, actually, mm. funny enough. Uh, did some vet work in India, came back, got wrong results. My results weren't quite well. I think they were like AAB or Triple A by the time I picked it, like A star AA or something like that. Yeah, but, but that's still it wasn't really quite what good. I wanted. <laughs> it is really good, but in yeah. the like, medicine world, especially somebody who already got rejected, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then somebody told me about Budapest, Hungary, uh, and that there's universities out there. And I remember my parents, part of the consoling conversation they had to me is like, they need vets in other countries. There are other countries that you can be a vet. Like, yeah. If we have to try and figure a way to send you abroad, then we'll figure a way to send Aww. you abroad. And somebody mentioned Budapest, Hungary, around the same time we were having this conversation. Um, and then my parents, or actually they told me to go and research it. And so I looked it online and then I found out the information. And if I give you a sense of the timescale of how much my life changed around, I came back from India, let's say 14th of August. The results day was the 25th of August, about two weeks later. Uh, I found out about Hungary on 26th. Flew to Hungary to do an interview on the 28th of August, right? Uh, got accepted in Hungary in an interview, in an oral entrance exam, like talking with the dean at the time. I didn't oh. know he was the dean at that time, but I was having a like one-on-one, like oral interview exam sort of thing. He accepted me. I flew back to England and flew back to Hungary and started school, university on the 3rd of September, or like the 4th <laughs> of September. Like, wow. the turnaround yeah. was, was like, so literally in the space of like two weeks, the the idea of me being in India to not going yeah. to school to all of a sudden going to Budapest to study in Budapest oh and live God. six years in Hungary was like two weeks <sighs> and that changed my whole life. And, so, oh my yeah. God. What was studying in Hungary like? Studying like what was that like? Best like really? the best experience in my life. Like really? I generally tell people that if you can live abroad, if anybody can have a chance to live abroad, even if it's for a short amount of time, you should do it because it opens you up to so much and I have so many lifelong friends that I made from being in international school in Hungary. And, you know, the experience was like, no, no, no. Like, I think my biggest fear about going to Hungary was racism. That's why I was going to ask cause... you that question, yeah. And that's that's the, that's a legit question to ask because I was the only black person in my university for a long time. Yeah. 
until there's one other girl. So maybe there's two of us, but like, you know, I was used as a landmark. They were like, yeah, just, you want to get to the anatomy hall, turn left with the big black guy and you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be right. like, you know, you could, you could see me from a mile away anywhere in Hungary, no. you know what I mean? And, but it's, it's fine because Hungary was actually all right. And most of the people were really kind. The only time I had racism, ironically, was from an Englishman in Hungary who like absolutely just went, he tried to lay into me like he laid in like he was shouting and screaming from across the road people were making a scene and I was just like I was with my friend at the time and I left it and I was just ignoring it my friend really wanted to, to and I was like don't worry it's just not worth it but the guy was just screaming that's fascinating that it that, yeah. yeah it was in English but that's so interesting yeah but um wow. yeah but yeah what a journey. And then I came home yeah and then I came home to work and then I've been working and I've yeah. been around ever since, really. Yeah. Cool. And so, do you? Oh, still got so much I want to ask you. Okay, Can you imagine? So... And I said that this, the answer to this question as well. The original question, sorry, was do I have, did I have a dog growing up? You did have a dog growing up. And do you have pets now? I don't. So Chelsea, who was my childhood dog, she is fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, she was fourteen, and she was a Bichon Frise, my favorite Aww. breed. Bichon Frise, super fluffy white dog. Yeah, yeah. Everybody says they're old lady dogs, but I think I they belong them. to muggedly handsome men. So yeah, um, <laughs> I have a B- I had a Bichon, and uh, she was love my life. And two years ago, I had to put her to sleep mm. oh, uh, because sorry. of her kidneys. Her kidneys failed her, uh, and I still haven't quite recovered since. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just not, and I'm I'm so busy and everywhere of and course, here and everywhere. Yeah. I just don't think it's great for me to have a pet because I know what they need and I know the love they need I almost adopted a cat I don't know if you saw it on my social media but I, did, I almost yes. adopted a cat that was green he was I, that was a very emotional decision for me to make and it was oh, this close to adopting yeah, yeah 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 that's so fair and so doing all the work that you've been doing now all the tv stuff and it oh it's so exciting mm. is there anything that you've done that's been surprising or just like really because obviously yeah I mean you all the te- all like spring watch and all of that stuff. Are there mm. any animals that you've worked with that you never thought you would? Is there anything you've come across that has, has really taken you by surprise? Um, do you know what? I'm a very like, I'm a very spontaneous person. Like mm. I'm very like, just go with the flow. Like, I was, well, actually I wasn't always like that. <laughs> I had a lot of plans and stuff, but then COVID changed a lot of things. So I'm, it made sure. me a lot more spontaneous than I am. And I'm, I'm always, I've always been open to opportunity to do stuff, right? Um, so, like, when things come to me, it's not like I'm taken aback by them. I'm always very appreciative because, to be honest, like, love, like, work-wise, being in a clinic is what I love. Yeah. Interactive owners, being with fluffy one-to-one, amazing. <laughs> yeah. The TV yeah. stuff is just the icing on the cake, and that's good fun. And they, they, they come up with stuff where you're like, we'll send you into Africa, and you can do this. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Like, that sounds crazy to me because that's like, whoa, this is like the younger me, my inner child is like, this is amazing. Like, you know, like David Attenborough type yeah. style. Like, yeah, sort of yeah. Stuff. yeah. Like, this is crazy. Um, and they say it to you, they might, whether it happens or not is another question, but they say it to you and like, wow, that's amazing. And that takes me aback. Um, but then a lot of the opportunities where I've been like super wow, things that I've done myself. So like, I went to the Amazon in, in Christmas because uh, one of my friends was uh, during Christmas, December last year. And because one of my friends is also a wildlife vet. Mm-hmm. So we went to, I went to go and work with him. He said, I was supposed to go with him to Thailand to work on elephants, but logistics didn't happen and things. Oh, the Bengal gonna... has just floated across the screen. She has, she's like getting involved. She's very oh, grumpy. Very warm. grumpy. Yeah, yeah she's, she's like, no, leave me alone. I know, I'm sorry. No. Grumpy and warm and annoyed at me. <laughs> 
like, let go of me, unhand me, yeah. human. That's exactly how she sounds as well, in my head. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so yeah, the like, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon was amazing. Yeah, the Amazon was amazing. And we got, I got to work with jaguars, ocelots, spider monkeys, capuchins, squirrel monkeys. And to me, that was jaguars, like... Jaguars, ocelots. Like, that was that's... the stuff that was like my inner childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was like... Because there's so many wildlife things that I've wanted to do. But because of uh, like... I realized when I was in vet school, I was like, if you want to work with wildlife, you have to have been in that circle sometimes. Like, you know, I had friends that were from South Africa and their local vet treats like zebra and, and, and lions and stuff. And I was like, my local vet just sees Fluffy, who is an yeah. 18-year-old poodle. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> and their work experience in between was much more varied. And you, you know? do very well with the 18-year-old poodles. Like, what was the thing you did? Yeah. Pooch? <laughs> what was the dog show you did? Pooch? Oh, Pooch Perfect. Pooch, Pooch Perfect. Perfect. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I think the reruns are on now on BBC actually on Saturday. Ooh, yeah, on, 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 so. yeah, I watched on iPlayer. It's great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <SMTV>. <laughs> nice. That was good fun as well. That was my first proper TV gig, uh, and that was a grooming show. Basically, yes, it was Great so British Bake Off in grooming oh, style, where there's grooming was, challenges. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. you just have different grooming challenges and they cut them different styles and stuff like that. And I was just like. I did a lot of the off-screen vet stuff, so the logistics, making sure their dogs are happy and healthy. And then I did a couple bits on screen where I was like, you know, looking yeah. like this for dogs or cracking jokes with Sheridan, yeah. who was the host. I love Sheridan Smith so much. She's, she's an amazing, actress. Yeah. I've, I've literally been obsessed with her. So it was such a dream she's for me. It was she's like so Sheridan. Talented. Oh, she's amazing. And it was like Sheridan Smith, who's this like incredible theatre stage, like stage and screen actress. And then dogs. I was like, this is made for me. This show. It makes so much sense, man. Like, it makes, makes so, so much, much sense. sense. <laughs> That's actually where I, I'm really good at guessing like dog breeds and mixes of dogs. Oh, yeah. And it oh, was so that show to, how I learned to do that. Because oh. they had like a little thing at, in the in every episode yeah. where you had to like, a dog would come on and you'd be like, what, what mixture is this dog? And I'd yeah. always get them right. <laughs> I, do you know what? And it's an impressive skill to have because it's like, and that, that show... Before that, I didn't take into account how much groomers actually understood and knew. Um, because we call it, we, we describe groomers as paraprofessionals. So they're like, they're parallel to the veterinary medicine that sure. we do already. Because, you know, they're the next, they're the, probably the next closest person, apart from maybe trainers, they're probably the next closest person who feel your dog, manipulate your dog, have an idea of the overall health from their skin, the coat, you know, their temperament as well, any aches. and They probably have the most, like, tactile um like response with your dog apart yeah. from vets you know like checking your dog over and stuff and so they yeah. know a lot of they've got a lot of information if they're trained well they have a lot of information mm. um and it's really impressive to see them just like kind of showcase that in the show which was so cool because they you know like oh the wire hair from this dog is something like from a terrier so maybe it's half schnauzer or something cool so super interesting so we've um, talked a lot about how the breeding practices in the UK are a lot better than they are here in the US. I just I feel like you're also used to seeing well-bred dogs. Whereas here I'm like, mm. no one has any idea what dogs are what over here. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't. It yeah. is interesting. You know, I like, do think they're all either mixes. messed up purebreds or mixes. So you're like, hey, yeah. yeah, what is what is a bulldog? I have no idea. <laughs> you know? It's funny because I feel like US, you're very like, go big, go home. And that's the part of my, I was actually planning to move to the States actually. So mm. I sat my state exams. Um, I'd done two out of the three exams and the third exam was booked. I was going to come and work over, but COVID happened. So right. <laughs> everything got chucked in, the, chucked in the bin basically. And I haven't really looked back since. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I think US is very like, 
go big, go home. Oh, we like this. This is cute. Let's make it. Let's make it work. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, and so there's all this breeding that's like very uh, aesthetic based as well. Um, you know, and I think there was a there was like a I don't know where it was a dog show where the, a dog won won the best underbite. Uh, category or something like that and I get I get I get TV and this is the bit of where I have a lot of talks with TV producers as well because I get like the the appeal of it the right it's underbite or whatever yeah but underbite is a medical condition like, <laughs> yeah. like, you're not supposed to have an underbite like a dog is yeah. not supposed to like imagine yeah. going to like groups of people and saying who has the most messed up teeth out of all of you like no, yeah. and you're gonna win the award and we're gonna say that's super cute because your teeth look your snaggle tooth like that's yeah. really, that's really, it's yeah. really messed up uh, but it seems like uh, in, when it comes to dogs, things just get thrown out of the window. Yes, because uh, yeah. there was a Pooch Perfect US as well, and the Pooch Perfect US was uh, was if you compare it to the UK, the UK one was super tame, mm-hmm. and the the US one was made for US audiences. Like we're petting the dogs into zebras and yeah. the dog. No, but I'm not even joking. It's yeah, actually such I believe a you. US, <laughs> of course, and you it look was. at the like you look at what ABC have done. Like I mean, ABC are amazing, and it's like. Oh, big, bright, da 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 da. I'm like, looking after the dogs here. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. What's happening? Like, I mean, um, yeah, the difference is reality yeah. shows, even just, you know, uh, your version of, of Gordon Ramsay and ours. Mm. Oh, yeah, wildly different. Why, yeah. Such he, different shows. Such a different show. He's, he's so nice over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, it's dogs like, aren't um, different. Boom, boom, like, everybody's got to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't want to keep you too long because I know we don't have too much of your time. So I guess I just want to ask, like, is there anything? I mean, firstly, you, you, you said you're like a, you're good at like reading cat signals and yeah. being really. So is there anything you wish cat owners or people interacting with cats knew or would do more of or would do less of? <laughs> That's kind of what I've been trying to get across with those TikTok videos. Every now and then I do a TikTok video about cats and their behavior and stuff. And yeah. it's just kind of like, I think the best way to look at cats, um, even though people are right, people have come to this, but I always describe cats as like consenting animals. All animals are consenting. Like they can give consent in a different way. Dogs do it, especially they, they let you know, you know whether they like to be touched. Cats. But the reason why a lot of people don't get cats is because they compare cats to dogs. If you're not necessarily mm-hmm. a cat person, you compare a cat to a dog. Cats aren't like dogs. Because there's a reason why dogs are inside your house and cats have always been like outside and, you know, they've been alongside humans. They've been domesticated alongside humans. So you have to bear in mind that they like things on their terms. So I tell all cat owners, cats like things on their terms. And they, you have to understand their consent signals. So whether they let you stroke them, whether they don't want you to stroke them, what the sounds are meaning, you know, what the tail up means when they're curious. I think those are the big things. And cats give really subtle warning signs. Another big mm. thing is like stroking. People don't understand that stroking is really subtle with cats. Like, you know, it's very like, you kind of like, <laughs> I love you. And like a dog yeah. would make a big part. Like, I mean, some cats are really good at that because they've just been absolutely spoiled since they were young. Yeah. Um, and they've just been habituated to it. But like, you've got to really take it slow with cats, see what they like and what they don't like. And it's very like, it's a communicate. It's a, it should be like that with every animal, but yeah, communicate is a, it's a very, because they will tell you what, cats won't hesitate to like slap you at you quick bite you whatever yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah i definitely say that does, my cat does a weird thing where she'll like she'll come over and she'll be like looking for a pet and i'll start petting her and then she'll give me a bite as if be like okay now stop that's too much and then like yeah. literally like 10 seconds later she'll come back looking for another pet and it's just so like i mean she she's very kind of um 
She knows her mind. <laughs> you know what it is as well? Sometimes they come over and they say they're looking for a pet, but they might, like, I feel like our cats, their love language is just like, like quality time. Sometimes yeah. they just want to be near you. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And I have to, I really have to say that to house guests because she'll rub up against their legs and then they, mm. house guests assume that that means she wants a stroke and it does not yeah. mean that at all. It just, just means saying, she's, hey. saying, she's saying hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> But then you go to stroke her and she's like, I didn't give you permission <laughs> to touch me. <laughs> exactly, because you think in a cat world, it's like that that like, little stroke up on the legs is like, it's like offering a handshake. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone going, oh my God, I love you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Get off of me, bro. I just shook yeah. your hand. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about? Um, <laughs> like, lit- so honestly, like we have such also, opposite yeah, cats. <laughs> it's so funny. I know. Like, oh, cat really more uh, my cat, I have two, but one of them is just obsessed with getting pet. To the point where it's annoying for the person. We're like, I don't want to pet this cat anymore. What do I do? <laughs> and like at the vet, she she purrs a lot because she just loves people. But they can never get her heart because she's purring yeah, too loud. And they're like, That's okay, so well, she, I assume it's beating because she's alive. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? We get that a lot. There's a lot and. Actually, funny enough, that's another thing as well, actually, because there are two types of, well, there's several types of purr. Yeah. But, like, some cats purr when they're really content, and some cats do purr when they're nervous yeah. as well. Like, oh, really? Yeah, people, like, when they're nervous, they'll purr. Like, yeah. We still actually so understand sweet. how purr is generated, but, yeah, like, they, you know, they um, sometimes purr when they're nervous and it blocks out, but that's one thing. And the other thing was, uh, with cats, because you spend so much time with your cats, I, I would definitely want all owners to know this, is that, if your cat just seems the slightest bit off, just the tiniest bit off, get them into the vet. Because yeah. cats are really good at hiding pain and things like that. Like, you know, uh, I've seen so many cases where a cat may be had. And sometimes for the benefit of the doubt, even though it can be expensive, it's better to run the diagnostics that a, a yeah. vet might want to work on. If you trust your vet, it's better to run the diagnostics. Like if the vet says, maybe let's do an x-ray and things like that. Because the amount of accidental tumours that we might have found from an x-ray or sedating them to have a better look inside their mouth or, yeah. you know, all these things with cats because they just hide things so well. Yeah. You don't know about until it's the end. And when it's the end, it goes they go downhill really quickly. So, yeah. like, you know, your, I always say this with all pets, you know your pets better than the vet can know in 10 minutes. If you think there's something wrong, highlight it, flag it, and just... Try and go down the route of like exploring because yeah. sometimes like, it's better to be neurotic, you know. Yeah, it's better yeah, to be neurotic sometimes. Sure. But, you know, yeah. then, and um, then just like, you talk on TikTok a lot about like tails, like cat tails, and what they mean. Before mm-hmm. you go, can you like talk a little bit about all the different like tail shapes and what they're trying to different say? Ta- <laughs> oh, that you're putting on the spot there. Okay, cool. Right, so uh, we've got like the. I think we've got the straight the really up one. upright. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like let's look. That's like the 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 friendly stranger. I think it's like, oh, something over there, stranger. I'm going to, hey, I'm your friend. <laughs> yeah. And then it can turn into a question mark where it yeah. just curves at the top. And that's still like a curious kind of, I'm still happy to see you, figuring out who you are. <laughs> but like, who are you? Like, you know, sort of thing. And then in that same kind of frame, there's a good book, actually, The Secret Language of Cats, that has actually a, 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 mm, like a diagram of it. Amazing. And then you've got like, you've got the straight up and you've got like sort of side angle. And it's bushy, yeah. Bush like that. That's usually yeah. when they're like, you know, that's when cats are gonna fight, scared. You know, something's going down. When it when it makes itself bigger than it needs to be, it's like that. Yeah. You kind of got a down cat. You've got the down tail, which can almost be like a neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say, people, a lot of people who don't know their cats, waggy tails and dogs is a happy dog. A waggy tail and a cat can sometimes is like, well, no. actually, 
No, actually, say that. I'm wrong, okay? So there's two types of waggy tails in the cat, right? There's the waggy tail when they're playing. You're right. They're like, because that's like, I'm playing yeah. and I'm stimulated. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's the stimulated yeah. waggy tail. But there's a flicking waggy tail. There's like a... Uh, yeah. And it's like, that is like, stop. T- that's the one I see the most. I'm the, I'm the it's, yeah. like, it's like, stop touching me. I'm like trying to take blood. And it's like... Uh, I'm like, I know, I know, I know. That's like somebody like tapping their foot. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of it as somebody flipping the bird at me, like consistently. That's why I see yeah, it. Yeah, that's really offensive. <laughs> it feels really offensive. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Uh, like, it's just like somebody just like, Ugh. and I'm like, wow, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, because they do it. Um, and then what else we've got? Uh, I get a lot a of um, when she's annoyed. It's like a tail flick and a huff through her nose. Like oh a, okay yeah, yeah like a like a huff and a tail flick and that's her being like this is your last warning like that's, you, that's... and you know what cats cats actually menace they menace they have a menacing face like they can actually they can actually get like you know how you picked up your girl now like i could actually see she was grumpy they yeah have she the was grumpy to move their eyes she, <laughs> no she really does she's very they're very expressive like i know yeah, what she's very. thinking <laughs> It's yeah. grumpy. That was more like a, you know, that's a very like, you know, oh, here we go again. Yeah, it was. Now, let me go, let me go. Especially yeah, really. she probably speaks to you a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so chatty. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, they're very expressive. I think those tales is keeping an eye out for those tales. But, yeah, I think I'm not doing it justice, but the secret language of cats that has a really good awesome. diagram of all of them. Um, the books on my coffee table. The last question that we have to ask everybody. Um, which is, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Whoa. Yeah. Um, a little tardigrade. You know those little water bear things? Yeah. Have you seen them before? No. <laughs> what what is haven't? this? What's it called? Uh, tardigrade. What's it called? There's never been my answer to this. Before. A tardigrade. T a r d i g r a d e. What on earth is that? <laughs> what a bear! <laughs> Little is that thing, real? You know? Yeah, it's real, and they, I think they discovered them. Uh, like they, I think, like they're probably one of the oldest living animals or whatever, because they're just like they. That looks like something from a sci-fi. Like that looks does, like something it? from like, Dune. Yeah, it does. It looks like a. It looks like like a honey. A honey, I shrunk the kids like a naked mole rat, but yes. a mole rat yeah. with eyes, but like this weird looking. No, uh, <laughs> I just, I just kind of want to say a tardigrade. I don't know. Yeah, like thank you for introducing me to the existence of that strange creature. Are you, are you going to stick with that as your answer now that I've seen what it looks like? No, I'm going to swap it. I'm going to swap it. Okay. I mean, but it would be cool if I was a tardigrade because you just go through life just like you know, float, like sucking on little single cell amoebas and yeah, yeah, just like over water and like la 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 la, mm. uh, and su- survive in really extreme temperatures and pressures, which is why I like the tardigrade. Ah. Oh, okay, um, cool. They survive in ultra, ultra like places where we think there's no life. There's usually a water tardigrade there. So wow. That's so, cool. so yeah, maybe actually I'm gonna stick with that. Yeah, that's, that's, cool. that's really cool. <laughs> I think that. That's a great answer. Yeah. That's just science geek. <laughs> no, I know. That. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, being like, no, actually, yes, I will yeah. do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my nurses used to hate that. That's my favorite thing because I used to say, yeah. Uh, no, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what do you want? No. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on, yeah. man. Like, this is such a treat. It's been so nice meeting you and chatting to you. I might have to get you back because 
you mentioned Everest and we didn't even talk about <laughs> that. I want to hear more about the Amazon. Yeah. Like there's quite, you've done quite a lot. Yeah. I've done, yeah. I've done, I've done, I've done a done, happy life. Yeah. You've done quite a lot and like, you're, you're like quite young. Like it's quite um, yeah. impressive. So yeah. Thank you. we might have to book you again and talk some more because this has been excellent. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Always. I'm super happy. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Like, I, I want to answer all your questions. I don't know if you want to like speed round the questions at me, but like, yeah, I like, you know, just let me know whenever we'll book in and we can cool. have a conversation. We can talk again. Oh, Incredible. I'm aware that Dr. B is what his mum calls him, but I kind of like you. I'm like, yeah, we're going to call you that yeah. here too. Like you're, you're one of the family now, so we're going to call you Dr. B. It's so cute that that's what she calls him. I know, it's so cute because you just know she's so proud yeah. that he's like a doctor. So oh, she's like, yeah, Dr. B. It's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> um, I think that I was thinking while listening to this is, is when he was talking about not getting into the school he'd always planned on getting into, but then ended yeah. up going to a totally different place and had a great time. I think we really are like, oh, I hope more kids hear stories like this because I feel yeah. like those, those blows can be so hard when they don't happen. But so often it's like, oh, it's fine. There's, yeah. there's another path to accomplish your dreams. It's just not always the path you, you think it's going to be. For sure. And it's also like what, you know, being open to, to, to those changes is so important because mm-hmm. I had that as well like my whole life I wanted to go to Oxford mm-hmm. and I was like I'm gonna go to Oxford I'm gonna go to Oxford and I passed the exam and I got an interview and then I got rejected <sighs> and I was gutted yeah crushed devastated um and then ended up going to my second choice which I'd actually kind of really fallen in love with when I went to visit but was like well it doesn't matter because I'm going to Oxford right and then went there and like met like the best friends met <laughs> Michael who is now like I'm gonna marry him, so I was probably, <laughs> probably worked good. out for the best, you <laughs> yeah. know. Um, and then just ended up like, you know, I would never have written my book if it weren't for Warwick, and like all of the things that have happened, yeah, happened as a result of of not going to Oxford. Oxford. Yeah. yeah, and also like, no tea, no shade to anybody that went to Oxford. I'm sure some people really thrive, mm-hmm. but everybody I know that went to Oxford came out either like hating it or bit of an asshole Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. just just a bit yeah and I'm sure that's not true of everybody um but you know you're just sometimes you're like oh yeah things are meant things are either meant for you yeah they're not or I mean I growing up didn't think I'd ever go to college like really yeah I mean my we you know I we had like no money growing up and it just didn't seem like a possibility oh yeah like I forget yeah. in America, you have to like sell your home. Exactly. To yeah. And we, I was just like, well, that's probably not going to happen. And I'll, you know, I'll just have to figure something else out. And then uh, like midway through high school, I was like, ah, I think I want to go to college. Mm. I should probably get better grades. And so then I did and I figured it out and I got, you know, scholarships and stuff. But it, did you? Did you get scholarships? Is that how you went? That's yeah. so cool. I do have some student loans, but not yeah. not nearly as bad as other things, but. I guess also it's good to know, like, if you don't have, you know, if you don't know that you want to be a vet at the age of six or whatever, you have time to. People listening know this already, I think. But I just it's such a nice refresher of like, oh, yeah, you don't you don't have to. Things aren't going to go the way you plan them. And that's fine. Yeah, totally. And I feel like like, I mean, a friend of mine who I actually hope will get on at some point. She's I think I've mentioned her to you before. She's very busy with lambing season here at the moment, which is really cool. cool. She's also a vet. 
and I just want to hear about lambing season. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get her on. Um, but yeah, she didn't do, she did like a, I think maybe like biochem or something sciencey at uni. I wasn't really sure what she was going to do with it. And then only, and like now is at vet school. Um, oh yeah. Having, we're, you know, we're like 27. So, you know, it's never like too late <laughs> yeah, to be a vet. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it's, it is just not, and like, obviously, you know, Dr. B then went to Budapest and yeah. lived in Budapest for six years. Like how cool is yeah, that? Yeah. So, um, it is really great to, to hear those stories and also just like hearing his perspective on being black in the med- oh. in the animal world in the UK is invaluable, yeah, I think. Definitely. It's still just like so dominated by like middle-aged white dudes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's just it's too just many of those really in the world. I'm sick of them. Know, isn't it? Mm, weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I don't know any, so I don't <laughs> I don't know where they're all coming from. But... <laughs> I'm not hiring them. Right? <laughs> I got to vote. Um, if you want more from us, you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, um, eventually TikTok, but not right now. We're too busy. Um, send us your Ready Pet Goes. Uh, you can email them to us at comfortcreatures at maximumfun.org. Yes. Uh, join us on Discord. <laughs> And have a nice day. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I've been Alexis B. Preston. I've been Ella McLeod. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.